Okay, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18. Romans 8, verse 18. Um, if you don't have a Bible, get your hand in the air. And I know it's always weird to ask in the beginning, but your hand in the air and we'll get you a free Bible. Uh, they'll come around. Come on. There's one. I knew it. Josh Simon. Typical. Um, so uh, get your Bible. If you don't own a Bible at all, it's our free gift to you. Please take this home with you. Um, also, let me say this. Um, we were able to give out like over 100 Bibles last year just by people kind of coming in service that didn't have one. If you've got a friend, uh, a dorm mate, coworker, or whatever, and, and you're just like, man, I think it'd be awesome to get the Word of God uh, into their hands, like take one, right? Take, take 15 if you're going to pass them out. Like we, we can afford it, man. We can afford to get the Word of God into people's hands. So take Bibles uh, and do that. But turn to Romans chapter 8. Who can give me the, actually the page number on the loaner Bible? That'd be great. Anybody? 615, if you got one of those, okay? 613. 615 would be a, like a month from now. Okay, here's where we've been in chapter 8. And I've said this a lot, but I want to keep banging this drum, and, and Anthony introduced it even at the beginning. <coughs> we've, we've done our best to try and convey this switch between chapter 7 and chapter 8, where in chapter 7, uh, law is spoken of quite a bit. Okay, but then there's a transition in chapter 8 where we talk about spirit a bunch. And so almost every single week there has been an emphasis on how the Holy Spirit is interacting with our past, interacting with our present, right? Giving us new identity, shaping us, defining us, the entire thing. Today we transition and look a little bit more forward and look at future. Right, we look at, okay, if the Holy Spirit has truly done this work in our life, if he has sealed our present, if he has taken our past and said, I, I don't ignore it, I still know it's there, but I forgive you in the midst of your junk, then the future should be bright for us, okay? That there should be a bright future in the midst of the Spirit's work in the past and in the present. And so that's what we look at today, okay? We're going to look at it through the context of suffering, versus future glory, right? So this, this present pain, this present suffering versus a future glory, right? What, what is to come for those who are in Christ, who have the Holy Spirit, and as we looked at last week, have been adopted into the family of God. Not of our own doing, right? It's not because we were good. It's not we just said the right things. It's because we believed in Jesus. He brought us into the family, adopted us, and so now our future looks crazy different than it did before we knew him. Okay? And that's what we're, we're going to do. Now, here's the truth about future. Here's the truth about future hope, future glory, is that whatever your present situation looks like, it's going to greatly influence what you're looking at in your future. In other words, if your presence is very broken and pain-filled and filled with hurt and trial, and you know something great is on the horizon it all of a sudden becomes that much greater, right? When you sit in present suffering, the future glory becomes even greater. So, example, um, every year we try to, my wife and I, uh, try and go to Cabo San Lucas, okay? Uh, when we went on our honeymoon, we got down to Cabo, and then they do this thing there where they do this, like, timeshare breakfast. And if you go do the timeshare breakfast, they give you uh, like a free meal and then you get like vouchers for later. You get some discounts on some activities and it seems like a great deal. And you just go in saying, I'm going to say no. Okay. Like I'm not going to buy it. We have no money. This is our reality. And so then we went to the meeting and then we bought a timeshare. Okay. <laughs> so I, I always ask myself like, who falls for that? Oh, me. It was me. Like I'm the guy. 
right? And so we bought this timeshare. So now every year, we're there because we like, we own it. We better go. Like, otherwise, it just seems silly. So here's the truth. Verity, okay? Verity and I, as we look to the fact that we're going to Cabo in May, man, I tell you what. When we look back at the, the suffering that we experienced in this last year, which we'll talk about in just a minute, uh, the suffering we experienced, and the suffering maybe even we feel today, however low we feel, it makes Cabo seem that much greater. Nathan and Maria, who just got married yesterday, Nathan here, he runs kind of our production, Maria runs our Redemption Kids Ministry, they just got married yesterday, and I don't know how many people have ever been engaged in here, but engagement's tough. I mean, it's just like a lot of arguing that you never argued about before. There's a lot of things you wish you could do that you couldn't do quite yet, right? I mean, there's just, it's not, it's not easy, okay? And so the anticipation builds because of the present lack to make the future glory greater, okay? Are we tracking? Here's my hope in this. Is we're, we're laying this out. We're going to get into suffering here because I feel that the better we understand our depravity, our suffering, how kind of muck, mire, junk we're in, man, it's truly going to show us how great the future will be for those in Christ Jesus, those adopted into his family. So let's talk suffering. Um, suffering is a tough thing to preach on. Okay? It, it's a tough thing to talk to anybody about, and, and I want to share some reasons why that is in hopes that it would resonate with us in here, that we would get it and then carry us through the rest of our text. Okay? So um, the first one, it's awkward. Right? And, and it's just awkward. So when someone's in pain... We feel very incapable to know what to say. So someone's hurting and crying, and they're sitting there, and then you stand there and you say, nothing, right? You say, because you don't know what to do. It's, it's going to be okay. There's a lot of these kind of like simple lines and stuff like that, but never seem to do the trick, right? Suffering is just kind of awkward. We don't know what really what we're doing in the midst of it. The next one is it's personal, right? Suffering is personal. In other words, it involves human beings, right? It involves people. It involves people with emotions. It involves people with feelings, with stories, with backgrounds, with hopes, with dreams. It's personal. So this last year, and listen, if you've been coming to the church for a while now, my wife and I, or I mean, from up here when I was preaching, even right before, uh, I would constantly be saying, man, I tell you what, this has been the hardest year of my wife and I's life. You know, this, it's just been really hard. And you get, maybe you heard some of those truths and some of those one-offs and things like that. But the reason why it was so tough for us um, is because last year, uh, around, uh, around April, um, my wife and I had a miscarriage, okay? And, and it, it, was, it was this very shocking moment for us. I have always been raised, and I always lived in a, in a circumstance, in a context, where everything I always pretty much wanted happened. Like, everything I needed was always there. It was always privileged. There was never a problem. There was never lack. And so in this moment where we had everything, we were all excited. This was the gift that we had been asking for. All of our friends were pregnant. It just seemed perfect. And then in one, and then in one ultrasound, it was gone. And in this one moment, in ways I'd never experienced before in my life, my world came crashing down. I'd always been the person that if I, if I felt angry, I could stop feeling angry, right? If I felt sad, I could just stop feeling, I just said, you know what, this is pointless, I won't feel sad anymore, it's just that, I'll turn it off. This came to my front door, this came to my doorstep, and it was not possible. 
It, it wasn't as simple as, God, I know you're good. It wasn't as simple as, God, I know you've got a future glory for this. It's not as simple as, God, you're sovereign. It's not as simple as, oh, well, I'm here for you. Because it's personal. Because people are involved. And suffering is tough to talk about because everyone in here has a different story and a different reaction and a different way to handle the different trials that come our way. Okay. The third one is, um, it's nuanced. Okay. Suffering is nuanced. In other words, there's a variety of suffering in this world. Okay. First, there's the suffering that's self-inflicted. Okay. This is the suffering that you caused. Okay. You made a bad decision. Okay. And then something bad happened to you in response to that. That's your fault. Self-inflicted. And so, but in the midst of that, the emotion that usually comes along with self-inflicted suffering, okay, is guilt and shame. So, so we do something to ourselves, it hurts us or hurts someone else, and so we live in guilt and we live in shame. These are the emotions that then, right, we've caused this, now my life is here, but it's my fault. Guilt, shame, hiding, denial, on and on and on. Not helpful. Okay, that's one. The next one is, um, is betrayal. It's, it's when someone hurts you. So it's not self-inflicted. It could be a friend, could be a stranger, could be anyone. It happens to you. You can't control it, but that's suffering as well. And so in the midst of that, the emotion that comes from that one usually is anger, right? It's anger, it's frustration, it's how dare you do this to me, right? The last one is, um, is kind of the uncontrollable suffering, right? It's, it's the stuff that no one saw coming, no one really caused, it just happened to you, right? It, I mean, it's the natural disaster. It's, it's any of those issues that are outside of your control, outside of their control, it just happens. And so in the midst of that, it's frustration, doubt, questioning, why could this possibly happen? And see, suffering gives us the entire gamut of the human emotional system, Right? That if there's something negative to feel, suffering will bring that out of us in one way or another. Okay? And so it's nuanced. It's hard to talk about because all of us are experiencing a different kind. Okay? The next one is it's relative. Okay? It's relative. And this is somewhat close to the personal piece, but this means um, that everyone in here is different. And so you're going to experience pain and hardship differently. And you're going to think things are suffering that another person will not think is suffering. Okay. And so then they won't know how to touch. So for example, okay, um, I hear this a lot. And, and I mean, when I say suffering, this is big, small, in between. It's not just, you know what I mean, you got in a terrible car accident, you lost it. I mean, it's, it's whatever impedes upon you, right? It's, it's the thing that steals peace, that steals joy. So in the midst of those things, uh, here, here's one that I often hear, and it's, it's from, raise your hand if you go to NAU, or if you're just in college in general, okay. Yeah, every single one of you have heard this, okay? Uh, hey, man, how's it going? Oh, I'm just so busy. I, I'm just so busy right now. I don't have time to do anything. I can't see my friends. I can't play Xbox for 11 hours. I mean, I have no time for... You don't know busy until you have another human that you're responsible for, okay? I don't, I'm like, Verity can take care of herself. That sounded bad. The pride in me hears that line, right? I'm busy. I don't have time. I can't do that. Hey, can you help me out with this? No, I can't because I'm too busy. Listen, the pride in me says, you have no idea what busy is. Are you, you go to class for like, 
I don't know, four hours maybe a day if you're not skipping them, okay? Then, yeah, you've got homework, which most of you barely do. And then you spend all of your time hanging out with friends. That's not busy. Now, that's the pride in me that wants to say that. The truth is, is that is silly for me to just assume. It's silly for me to just think that because I think my life is busier and you don't have to engage in the things I have to engage in, that that doesn't cause strain and steal peace and joy from your life. The felt experience, and listen, I've had to learn this the hard way in marriage because so many times Verity will be struggling with someone, she'll tell me, man, this is really hard and then I just want to fix it in a second instead of just hearing what she's actually saying. The truth is, is when you guys say you're busy, I legitimately believe you feel like you're busy and that causes a lack of joy and peace in your life. Okay. And so it's the pride in us that wants to go ahead and try and say, you know what, you're, I'm busier than you are. Oh, you're hurting? You don't know hurt. You don't know pain. And the truth is, is that, and there's some of us in here, right, that you've experienced a pain so deep, you've experienced a hurt that's just so deep that you don't let anyone come close to talk to you. Right? You won't let anyone in because you just think right away there's not a chance you get this. There's not a chance you can actually understand this grief. And so you push people away. And you push God away. And suffering causes it. It's it's tough to talk about because it's relative. And then this last one. It's tough to talk about because you know what? It's really far from welcomed in our culture today. Right? That, it, that in the Western culture, suffering is very much not welcome. There is no place for suffering in this world. This was not always the case. Right? This wasn't always the case. So, um, leading pretty much all the way up to about the 18th century, there was an understanding that if there was someone suffering, it was mostly brought through the lens of, okay, well, God is really big. We're really small. We're not going to fully get it. But we can explain it in a way that says God's in control. Right? There's, there's something in us. We don't need to know every answer. There's mystery, and that's okay. And so we lived in peace when suffering happened really until the 18th century. Then the Enlightenment happened. Okay? The Enlightenment happened. The Age of Reason happened. And all of a sudden, every human being thought they could explain everything in their life. And if they couldn't, then it was to be rejected. Okay? If you can't explain it, you got to reject it. And so suffering became one of the fatalities in the midst of this transition. Well, all of a sudden, suffering couldn't be maybe God's doing something that we don't understand. Maybe God's making this to happen here and here, and he's bigger. He knows more. And it became, you know what? We can't explain this. We can't test this. There's no scientific method for this, and so let's reject it altogether. And now, the, the air we breathe, right? All of us in this room, the culture that we live in, right? It tells you the same thing. And that's why it's so hard to deal with. Because for all of us, we're supposed to just live happy. There's not supposed to be suffering. There's no place for it in our lives. So when it comes to our front door, we're completely lost. What, what do I do? And so a lot of this, listen, this is just culturally defined for us. 
and we usually, we usually fail in seeing what God's doing. Now you contrast this with kind of Eastern culture and Eastern religion. So you've got, right, you've got this, these ideas of karma and reincarnation and nirvana and, and all these ideas. So, right, so reincarnation. So you have, okay, if you're suffering in this life, the explanation is, is that you probably didn't do a very good job in the previous one. And so you're going to have hardship this time around. So work really, really hard so that next time around you got, it, you got it better at least. Maybe not good, but you got it better and then better and better. The truth is, I mean, over and over and over, it, these Eastern religion, Eastern philosophy has still kept God big and has still kept them small. Okay. What I find funny in the midst of this, even so something like Buddhism who seeks, it, who seeks enlightenment, it's always funny to me that the same term that they use for enlightenment, which means to make much of God and less of them, we use in America to make much of us and less of God. And yet in the West, we think we have it all figured out. Okay. These things make it hard for us to process grief and suffering well. And so here was, here's what Paul's doing. He's going to lay out and say, okay, I'm not trying to negate, I'm not trying to take away honest, real, experiential suffering that each of us have in this room, but I'm trying to lay it against a greater context so that in the midst of it, maybe there's still peace. Maybe God is still big, we are still small, and he's doing something greater There's a future glory. And so my contention, Paul's contention, sit in the grief. Be in the suffering. Embrace the awkward. Embrace all of it because we're going to see God is doing something bigger. So um, let me say this right before we move on. One of the things we have to learn and we have to embrace as individuals and as a church and just as a community is that we can't always live in the right now. Okay? Okay? And we've talked about this a lot here, but it's just so prevalent constantly. We make decisions based on right now. Like, how will this affect me this very moment? It, and, it, and it's pervasive. It touches every part of it. It's, it touches what food you choose to eat in a day. So you know that if you got some good vegetables and some good meat and you actually spent, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, 20 minutes cooking, you would have yourself a really nice plate, good meal, veggies, protein, grains, whatever, like, and that's going to be healthy for your body in the long term. But instead, we reach for the hot pocket, right? We go hot pocket. We go for the, like, you know what I mean, like the wrapped up breaded heart attack, okay? You can recycle a hot pocket. That's how bad that sucker is for you. I'm not kidding. I'm not serious. You can't do that. You guys are like, oh, cool, all right. Um, we think about what is best for us in the moment, and so we reach for things. Listen, they're not really beneficial for our heart, our mind, our soul, our body, the whole deal, but we want it right now. That's the culture. Again, it's the air we breathe, and again, that has to be in the discussion as we look to future glory. Because if you're sitting in suffering right now and, and you think that all Paul and all I'm trying to communicate today is it's going to get better one day, it's going to get better, but you still live in a worldview and an idea that you want everything this very second, there's no chance this is a blessing to you. There's just no chance. This becomes good news for us if we're always just doing and waiting, or not waiting, but always doing things for the very moment right now. So let's get into it. Verse 18, that was the intro. Verse 18, 
For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. One more time. For I, Paul, consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So he sets up kind of this contrast. He sets up present suffering versus future glory. These two things coexisting in that same context, being real. Present suffering for us varies, and we've talked about that. Present suffering for each of you is what's knocking on your heart even right now. And, and, and maybe for some of you, you're searching, and man, that's good. <laughs> like if, you're, if you're searching for the pain, just stop. It's probably not there, okay? But, but it's the things, right, that, that come easily to the mind, come easily to the heart that you're like, you know what, man, this is, this is real for me. This is, this is present. This is right now. It, it's not even something that I'm dealing with that happened a year. I mean, it's, it's right here. And what I'd like you guys to do is even as we go through the rest of this, wrap up the next 20 minutes or so, listen, I want you to just keep bringing that stuff up in your hearts and then comparing whatever that thing is for you right now, right? And it, and it could be a loss. It could be something you did to yourself. It could be a friend hurt you. Whatever it might be, whatever that, I want you to keep that kind of on that front burner. And as we bring and show what God is going to do with it, that there'd be much rejoicing, Okay. Um, when we talk about future glory, here's a problem with future glory, and it's not in and of itself, but the problem is, is you know, we, we have the Bible, uh, we're able to talk about, we think this is what it's going to look like, this is what God's going to do, but it's, it, it's not like we have a brochure, right? It's not like you, you have a website, so if you're going to go visit a hotel, you're going to you go to a place, you've got TripAdvisor, there's no TripAdvisor for heaven, okay? Like you're not going to go in, ah, you know, four stars, you know, it's, you're not going to find it. And so we can't do that much research, but we do have some good things to talk about, okay? Um, when we think about future glory, we first have to re- reject the present glory, if that makes sense, right? If, 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 you, if we care so much and we want and we desire the future glory, I tell you what, something that has to be kind of checked at the door is our innate and constant desire for present glory, right? For the present, look at me. For the present, look what I've done. For the present, look at all the evidence and body of work of why God should love me, why you should love me. We got to check that at the door. Now, the reality is we're always going to have that in us. That's a reality of the walk that we all have in these journeys as humans. But we need to constantly say, okay, no, no, I don't want that. It's not about me. It's not about my present glory. It's not about making much of myself. It's about thinking greater. It's about thinking bigger. It's about thinking, what is God doing? Future glory, right? It's again, it's letting go of the right now. It's letting go of the fact that we'd rather go get McDonald's when we'd, we could wait for five minutes longer and get in and out, right? Yeah. I mean, garbage, five minutes, what Jesus would eat. I mean, it's just like, that's what we're looking at here. Letting go of present glory. This is a tough thing for all of us. Listen, and you youth from Tempe, I got, listen, I, I remember walking that, man. Status, I don't think there's a, there's a bigger, tougher place to exist where you think your status matters to those around you than high school. 
I mean, it's, it's brutal. And then college, listen, it's, it's not much better. It's pretty tough there too. And then the world, it doesn't get that much easier. Listen, we all have to battle this identity issue that the people around here need to think great of you as opposed to the only one person who can truly give value, glory, gain, grace, respect. Okay. We have to set that aside. Let's keep moving. Um, here's what's interesting, is that in the midst of this, all of us, humanity, right, we experience suffering, we experience pain, but we're not alone in our pain. And I don't even mean, I mean, all of humanity is not alone in their desire for something better. Verse 19. It says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him, this is Adam, who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So listen, all of creation... Not just human beings. So what, what God did when he created day one, two, three, four, and five, all of it, six, two, the animals, right? All of it groans and is eagerly waiting in anticipation for something better. For a glory that is to be revealed. Even creation knows how messed up creation is. It looks around, it knows, it wants more, it seeks more, and yet it's been subjected to futility. Here's what's interesting, that word uh, futility is in the Greek, and I'm sure you guys all know this, so I'll just say it anyway, uh, is mat- matayotes, okay? Matayotes. And I don't normally try and do the Greek thing, because I'm not even that smart, so it makes me sound smarter than I really am, so don't think of it that way, but really, here's what's amazing about this word matayotes. It's, it's specifically used here by Paul. And it means inutility. It means uselessness. So creation has been subjected to uselessness. But here's the real neat part. It means it's been subject to uselessness for a temporary time. The word he uses, it's subjected to futility temporarily. That even Paul, in his use of this word, is saying, there's something coming. Even when Adam subjected the world through sin to mar everything, even then it was known there's an end to this. There's an end to the pain. There's an end to the brokenness. There's an end to the disaster. There's an end, on and on and on. There's an end to it. Matiotes. Even then he knew, man, I'm going to do something. I'm going to intervene. God knew. As soon as it fell, God knew. Redeem. Redemption. I'm coming. I'm going for it. I'm going to bring it back. There will be an ending to the pain, the suffering, the hurt of this world. It's amazing. Now, notice creation waits in this eager longing for a future glory. Let's just talk for a moment. What's this future glory even look like for creation? Okay. Um, Very simply, it's going to be more beautiful, more productive, and easier to live in. Okay? More beautiful, more productive, easier to live in. More beautiful. So, right, how many people have been to the Grand Canyon? Okay, how many people who live in Flagstaff have not been to the Grand Canyon? Really? Okay, there's one. It stinks, man. You should do that. Okay? Uh, we live in 
hour and 15 minutes from a wonder of the world. And so we've all seen it, okay? And, and, and honestly, you, you see pictures and people tell you about it. But then when you finally drive into the park and then you get to the cliff, right? Even walking from this far back, the cliff's up here, you still don't get it. But then you get to the edge and everything stops. And literally, your breath is taken away. Literally, it's like, I never knew something could be this beautiful. Even the Grand Canyon is in shambles in comparison to what it will be. Because the eyes with which we look at the Grand Canyon and the air with which colors it, the sun which gives it light to reflect and give all the color and the layers and all of, all of that, broken, fractured, a, a semblance of what God intends when we see perfectly and clearly, when all the light shines without smog, right? On and when we just get to experience all that a perfect God perfectly created. It's more beautiful. It's more productive, right? Right now, listen, uh, how many people in here have ever farmed? We're doing a lot of hands raised. Any farmers in here? Okay, good. So I could say anything and you guys wouldn't know. Okay, so you farm. Very simply, you put stuff into the ground, stuff grows up. Right now, man, when you yield a crop and I was reading stuff and it's getting harder and harder. Every year, it's getting harder for farmers in this country and around the world to yield the same amount of crop that they did the year before. It's getting more and more difficult for them to, not just the quantity, but the quality as well. And they're having to battle this, okay? Because the earth is groaning, the earth is dying, the the creation is messed up. But there's going to be a day. There's going to be a day where what we put into the ground, everything that God deems should come forward will. Where it's perfect. We're talking like the juiciest apple, right? The, the, the longest corn stalk you've ever seen, okay? It's going to be amazing that this earth, this creation will yield what it's supposed to yield without sin, without brokenness. Listen, also, without the stupidity of man and messing stuff up perfectly yielding everything it should yield, more productive and then more easy for us to live in. That there's going to be a day where we're not always reading about a story about a tsunami killing thousands and thousands of people. Okay. There's, there's going to be a day where, where we're not going to hear about a massive earthquake that took a whole city down. There's going to be a day where we're not going to hear about shootings. We're not going to hear every day about another child that's been killed. There will be a day where you will be able to go actually onto the internet and read nothing but stories of grace, stories of mercy, stories of hope where there's going to be none of the brokenness, none of the pain, none of the betrayal, none of the hurt. And it's just going to be stories of God's greatness and God's glory and his gifts to his children. That day is the future glory of creation. So now let's look at us. Verse 22. 
For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. But here we go, verse 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So now, okay, creation, it wants more. Humanity, we want more. Regardless of whether or not you're in here and you've ever even thought about these ideas, you've even thought about kind of present suffering, future glory, a lot of us don't use that language, but I would say to a man, right, every single person in here, you just wanted more. Right, all of us, we've always just, we've wanted something else, we wanted something to strive for, we've wanted more than what we have. Now, the truth is we often then place that usually on things that aren't that healthy, right? So we want more money, and so then we chase and we step on whoever we can to be able to get more. But all of us deep inside have this innate desire, we want more. There's got to be something better than this. And so along with creation, we eagerly, Wait, so humanity's present suffering, again, and I already listed a couple things, we don't have to look too far, jump on the news, read whatever, read the hate, read all that stuff. You don't have to look very far, you can look in your own life, the stuff you guys are all dealing with, that thing, again, that, that's in you right now, the stuff that you're dealing with today, or, or listen, even the stuff you know is on the horizon, that present suffering is so real for us, but here... There's something I love that Paul brings this, and he says here in verse 23, he says, not only the creation, but we ourselves, and he says, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, right? It's like a little clarifier from Paul here for a moment to say, listen, this world is not about your present prosperity. Because here's the truth. Even those who are the first, right, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even though, and, and remember, okay, so last week, Anthony comes up, talks about adoption. We're brought into God's family. We are his children. All the benefits. We're heirs now. All this goodness. And so it's easy for us to take this and say, perfect. There should be no pain. There should be no trial. There should be no hardship. I am a son of God. Prosperity. Victory. Paul's saying, listen up. You are a son. You are a daughter. But even us who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even those in God's family, we're waiting. We're waiting for in, in eager anticipation of the future glory. Right? So that future glory for humanity, what does that look like? It means no cancer. I mean, very plain. It, 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 means, it means no heart disease. It means no brokenness from betrayal. It it means that your minds no longer are filled with things that you know pull you from God, pull you from your wife, pull you from your husband, pull you from your best friends. They're they're just filled with the fragrances and the mercies and the goodness of God. Future glory for humanity. No pain, no tear, no no sorrow. The suffering that you all sit in today is not negated. Hear me. It's not negated. It is very real. I, I, I want it. It's very real. If you experience pain, hurt today, it's real for you. I believe that. It's 
real. And what Paul's not trying to do is say, forget about it, move on, this is greater. It's not that simple. Paul is just saying that, hey, in the midst of it, in the midst of the brokenness, let me just tell you a story about how it's going to be. Let, let me just try and shine and give a little bit of hope to you. And let, let's see that hope grow. Let, let, let's see that, that hope grow in us. We said this uh, about six months ago, and I've had a lot of people say, man, that was, that was helpful for me. And it was that, man, would, would we be a people who would dare to hope in God? Hope that he is actually going to do what he says he's going to do. That no matter how bad it gets, how low we get, that we would dare even in those moments where we think no one could understand, we would at least dare to hope in God. Even if we think everyone else in this world will let us down, he will not. In the midst of our present suffering, we would not forget it, not negate it, not negate it in others, but rather... Just look at it in its proper context amidst the future glory that is coming to creation and to man. Okay. Let's wrap this up. Verse 24, 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes in what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So just... I want to leave you with this. As we talk hope, and, and that's what I want you to leave with, in, in the midst of your suffering, to hope in the future glory, to hope in the redemption of all things, a perfect creation, a perfect humanity, all of it. Let's look at these three characteristics of hope. One, hope is not seen, which is very hard for us. We want to be tangible. We want to latch on to it. We want to be able to see it, touch it, know it, do it right now. Hope is not seen. It's something that we place faith in. Here's the good news. Okay, here's the good news. Man, the hope, it's not based on you. Okay? The hope has nothing to do with you. The hope has nothing to do with you succeeding because we all know we've tried that and we've failed. The hope is based on the one who has never failed. It's based on God. So hope is not seen is an okay thing for those who are adopted in the family of God because we know the Father is perfect. And so we can hope in him moving forward. Hope is patient, and so we wait. And that's hard. Again, it's hard. We want the suffering to end today. I, man, when Verdi and I were dealing with this miscarriage, and, and listen, we, we just sang Satisfied in You, and we're both up here weeping because it's still there. Right? I mean, it didn't go away. Okay? But as we walked through that season, right when we were in the midst of it, I tell you what, that we did not want to wait for glory. We didn't want to wait for joy. We wanted it right then. But over and over and over, we waited because we knew the one we were waiting for. Okay? Not us, not even circumstance, but God himself was worth waiting in eager anticipation of the work he would do. And the last one, hope is worth it. Hope is worth it. If I can sell you on anything today, hope is worth it. Even though you might have present suffering, hope, future glory is worth it. I promise. Best illustration of this, I have to say, is pregnancy. Okay. Now, having not been pregnant, I can't fully explain it. Okay. But from what I know, there's morning sickness, there's headaches, 
There's heartburn, there's weight gain, there's back pain, there's mood swings, there's excruciating pain, and then there's a baby, right? Every woman in here is like, I'm not doing that, right? (laughs) Check me out. All of this, right? You got nine months of not great things happening to your body, okay? And yet what comes out is new life. What, what, what happens after nine months of pain and of trial and of hardship is the greatest gift this world could give us outside of Christ himself. Hope is worth it. Future glory is worth it. I will struggle, I will fight, I will, and I will complain to God about circumstances in my life that I just don't want to happen. I think that's good. I think that's honest. Go to God with the pains you have. Don't try and hide them. Be real. Lay them at his feet. He's a big boy. He can handle himself. Talk to God. Because the future glory is worth it. And if you're still not convinced if you're still not convinced that, that suffering could ever give you something greater, if you're still sitting here and saying, no, no reason for my suffering, no reason for what's happened to me, no reason for what's happening right now, there's nothing there, just take a moment and think about Jesus. Okay? Think about the gospel, that God came, right, came to this earth, And in comparison to the greatness and the holiness that he existed in before coming to this world, he suffered for 33 years. And then truly suffered for about three, and then really, really suffered for that last day. Where he was beaten, where he was broken, where he was betrayed by friends, where he was given up by his father, where he was over and over and over living in the realities that we all experience all the time. Every, listen, every single suffering that's in this room right now, Jesus felt, Jesus knows, and in the midst of it, his suffering brought salvation to the world brought the gospel story to culmination as he inaugurates his kingdom that moves us to a future glory when it's fully realized where everything is perfect again. Redeemed, beautiful, productive, free. Suffering has brought us the greatest gift this world knows. Okay? Will ever know. Your suffering, my suffering, will lead us towards the greatest glory that God would have for his children. Amen? Here's what I'd like you to do this week. Um, First, I want you to ask yourselves this one question. Do I have this hope? Very simple. Do I have this hope? Is that, I mean, is that that me or am I I just still kind of swirling around hoping to latch onto something but I'm grasping and I'm not getting there and do I have this hope? And, And listen, if you land on no, I want you to talk to me. I want you to talk to, to someone in this room that you know and respect. Just engage. Talk about that, okay? And then the second thing, for those who land on, yes, um, we did this a few weeks ago, but again, right when you wake up in the morning, okay, whatever time that you wake up, give me five minutes, okay? Five minutes of you staying in bed, laying there. If you got, I, I started doing mine in the shower because I'm away. I'll fall back asleep in the bed. But five minutes, 
and then just meditate on the future glory that God has called us to. Five minutes, that's it. You can do it. Constantly reminding ourselves of the truth of the gospel that leads us towards a future glory that's greater than we could ever dare hope. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your grace. God, we don't, we just wouldn't understand any of this. We, I mean, I, I barely do even today, God, about why you would go to the lengths that you did to suffer and to die. That, God, we would experience a future glory that even makes the hardest of hardships in this world seem unworthy. God, I know, the, I know and have experienced, God, the realities of pain. And some people in here, even to greater degree, but Lord, we all realize that we've all been there. There's something we're all fighting, we're dealing with. Lord, I pray that we don't feel at any point a desire to negate our pain, but rather be honest with it. And in the midst of that, God, would you give us the eyes to see. Give, open the eyes of our heart, Lord to see more of this future glory that we speak of. Holy Spirit, do work in our hearts. We will fail when we try our own way. Lord, bless us as we respond, and may your Holy Spirit be glorified. In your name we pray, amen.